1: The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting edge research.
0: Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now there's not a moment to lose
1: every dollar counts every day
0: counts to find out how you can join us to defeat cancer please visit jimmyv.org my name is bobby i'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb my victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion i'm sam i'm a veteran my victory was finding a career that i could be proud of at dav
1: we're on a mission Helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
0: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education.
1: When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.
0: And now... From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. All
1: right, Brandon, we were talking about one and dones in the NBA draft before we went to uh, commercial. And I'm going to make a statement that might surprise you. Um, And I've got to credit Trent Nichols, our our new addition to the uh, engineering side, he and Tim... Copus over there on the wheels of steel running this thing but I agree with the statement he made during the break that these one and dones it's not hard to find people that will say that they've ruined college basketball right. you know that these kids you know are in there they're gone people don't they don't develop familiarity with these kids but I honestly believe that these guys are good for the game in that they've increased parity across the country because you've got the big programs like Kentucky and Duke that have embraced the one-and-dones. They bring these kids in, and then they reload year after year. But what that's done for the mid-majors and the smaller big conference schools is allowed them to sort of develop their players. And you have guys that maybe aren't as athletic and physically gifted, but when they're in their third and their fourth year, their output is... And their ability is is on the same sort of level. Right. So you've got the Butlers and the Gonzagas of the world, and the Wichita States that can legitimately compete with these teams because you're looking at Kentucky who trots out you know in any given year three or four or five 19 year old kids in their starting five versus you know a Wichita State team that's that's rolling out upperclassmen. So I think it's good for the game, yeah. which I never would have believed a few years ago. But in terms of the big programs in the country. You've got two schools of thought. The UNC team that you love to talk about so so about so much, Roy Williams is one of the coaches in the country who has been resistant to bring in kids that he didn't think were gonna stay the course and, and be there for at least three years. Right. This UNC team now, we talked about Tony Bradley being on his way out, they've got some seniors that they're losing, but the core of that team is intact. And UNC should be poised to make another run and repeat. Now, you look across the spectrum at the other teams at the the highest levels, and it's really a crapshoot. When you Mm -hmm. look at Duke, Duke's got a mass exodus coming this year of kids, um, the one and dones, but also now Luke Kennard has has announced. Now, I want to talk about Kennard. A lot of people looking at Kennard and kind of scratching their heads saying – you know, this isn't a lottery type guy, you know, not a top 10 type player. Why would he come out now? Well, it's obvious why he'd come out now. He has done what he can do. He's kind of hit his ceiling athletically right. in college, and he doesn't have to look for, for uh, far to see an example of a guy that's cost himself money by, you know, really staying in school too long.
2: Right. I think it, he could only do himself harm. Like, what is he going to do? Average more than twenty points a game at Duke? Like, when they have probably are going to have a lot more mouths to feed. You know, Coach K. It'll be interesting because they do have a Max Exodus happening, particularly if Grayson Allen leaves. Um, at, you know, in a late pick, but uh, Kennard is interesting. He's he weighs in right now at two hundred pounds, which you know the way he shoots the ball, he should be able to step right on. T- to an NBA team and do kind of what he does now. He can only hurt his stock if he came back next year. Um you, because he he's hit a ceiling. You, the roof is the ceiling with <laughs> Kennard.
1: The so, ceiling is the roof and the roof is the ceiling. And Kennard, you're right. I think he can step on onto an NBA court next year yeah. and and play at as high a level as he's going to play, whether it's you know next year or three or four years from now, yeah. he doesn't have the game where he's going to be a transformational type player. He's not going to be a, a you know a core player um, in terms of, of building a franchise around. But he's a guy that can contribute. He can slash a little bit. He plays good defense. Plays hard um, and can light it up. And when I said he doesn't have to look far to to see money coming off the table, Grayson Allen
2: yeah.
1: after his sophomore year two years ago, would have been a lottery pick. I mean, people were looking at the athleticism. They were looking at the basketball IQ. Guy could fill up a stat sheet, and then he comes out this year in his junior year and what was supposed to be his team. And by the end of the season, he really wasn't even starting.
2: You know, one might say his decision to come back, you might say he was tripping a little bit, when making that decision to come back.
1: I don't really believe you just did that.
2: You know, you made the perfect <laughs> point. Grayson Allen coming Grace back. Grayson
1: Allen was tripping. I like basically
2: that. Basically, Kennard got to get in a time machine and see his future when Grayson Allen came back. And then just wasn't Grayson Allen anymore. Because if you remember, he was the darling of that tournament run they had. when Yeah,
1: absolutely. Back. When they beat Wisconsin.
2: And so he comes back. Now everybody... Hates him. I kind of feel bad for the kid. I don't think he's that bad of a kid. He just needs to work on a couple of different areas. But I, know, I,
1: I do appreciate that I saw him in a in a hat this weekend that said "Don't trip on it." So at least he's embraced it. Uh, there's a there, there's the t shirts. There's everything. The UNC fans are relentless. He's with got this Levar
2: guy. Ball marketing for him now. I, or so. Something
1: like that. But when you look at Grayson Allen, now he's posed with the question. What do I do? Because if he goes into the NBA draft, he's cool, He's sort of, of selling low. But looking forward to
2: next year's Duke team, what are you going to do? It's going to be interesting because the the most interesting, you know, Tatum's a lock. The interesting part of it is Harry Giles. Like, Giles got virtually no run, and you really don't know – how good this guy is unless you watched just a t- the tail end of the ACC tournament this year where he kind of came on and started showing glimpses of what he was before the injury. Giles is the one that's a dagger for Coach K. And having, he's not going to be able to replace a player like that, but to be able to fill in, that's four guys. Because Giles would be starting for Duke had he not had the injury. So that's four guys gone. The and, and back to what you said, I don't think it was the point you're trying to make. But, you know, the Tar Heels have been to back-to-back national championships. And it's probably because they haven't been able, not that they haven't tried, to get the, the top one and done. Harrison Barnes was the last time we got the guy, and he ended up staying a little while. But it's helped – the Tar Heels become more well-balanced, having some players that will stick around. And then if you land one or two stars, then you're, you know, you're cooking with some gas. They're getting into the final fours and things of that nature.
1: Well, and Duke is looking to do it again. Um, you know, they are losing four core players, it looks like. But then they've got one of the best recruiting classes in the country coming in. Of course. Uh, depending upon where you look, you know, either either fourth, fifth, sixth. But uh, you've got... Sterling Manley, well, no you don't, Wendell Carter, Gary Trent Jr., and Alex O'Connell coming in, all of whom are highly regarded recruits, but so highly regarded in some instances that these may be guys that turn around and want to go into the NBA after a year. This is the nature of what Coach Case created there. He was one of the last on, uh, on board with this. But with Okafor and – who am I leaving out? Who's the other big guy after Okafor? Jabari? Yeah, Jabari Parker. Um, This has become the norm. And now Tatum is the next natural progression for this. Mm -hmm. And Tatum, a guy that early in the season uh, didn't even play a lot. But as things wound on, you saw him and there were plenty of oh-my-God moments. And Jason Tatum is gone. Harry Giles? This is a guy, you know, like you said, if you saw the tail end of the ACC tournament, you saw him really contribute. But Giles is a guy that's going out really based on tools alone. But Coach K's made his bed.
2: Well, look look at this kid Knox, the five-star recruit. He actually came to the Carolina-Duke game, the only game that Carolina was able to beat Duke this year, and then the following day went to Duke University for – he had he fit a recruiting trip to both schools in one weekend. Whichever way that domino falls.
1: Kevin Knox is a big domino.
2: He's a beast. And, like, so if Duke gets them, I think they automatically have the advantage. If Carolina gets them, the ACC is in deep trouble because they, they have the base there. They have the role players. You got point guard coming back that could easily be one of the best point guards in the country. So watch for that domino to fall. Um, Duke is going to be just fine, but I would say late of late, and you know they just won a championship in 2015 um, for goodness sakes. But the last couple of years have been a little shaky for Duke, little consistency problems. You might blame that on Coach K's health issues, but uh, it'll be something to watch moving forward, sure.
1: Well, and you're talking about blue bloods, and you know the one done's coming in and out, and and the rest of that. Kentucky obviously is reloaded; it's got the best class in the country. Um, They'll be losing Fox, Monk, yeah. and Adebayo is, it, is the sort of the, the, um, the collective wisdom there. It's the next tier of programs and their willingness to deal with the one and dones where you're really making a deal with the devil. Sure. And the team I want to point at is Florida State. Mm-hmm. Florida State had a, a, a wonderful season. But it was a team that was very frustrating to look at and see what they could do athletically because they had so much length, so much uh, explosiveness, but those young kids couldn't figure out a way to win big ball games in big moments. Mm-hmm. And now you look at that Florida State team and a lot of that explosiveness and length is gone because these kids are leaving early. Jonathan Isaac is the one that gets all the headlines. You know, you're talking about a 6'10", Two, three combos, you know, shooting guard, small forward, whichever, whichever you choose. But Jonathan Isaac's got an NBA build, he's, he's got ready. an NBA game, and he's gonna do his thing. But also, Dwayne Bacon has already announced and he's gone. Yep. Um, you know, you're talking about a guy that's in the sort of you know, 40 to 50 range in terms of prospects, but for a Florida State team, you're talking about real. You know, top shelf college talent gone. Um, It's well.
2: I'll speak. I don't want to take you off. Go ahead. But you know, Coach K. That's what he does well. Like, I mean, he. You know, he gets the groceries and he starts making the meal and he tastes it mid-season and it doesn't taste just right. He's that kind of chef that can fix it. Hamilton. Is one of the winningest coaches in ACC history, but it takes a special person to take all that talent and mesh it together. And Hamilton, it's no fault of his own. Maybe this is the bad mix of kids, but he just was never able to get them on the same page, which they, you know, to get them to play at a level that they should have been playing. And Jonathan Isaac is an NBA ready player. I have a feeling that we'll be seeing him on the highlight reels um as soon as the NBA season starts again and to the one and dones you know there's a 3030 Kalapari 3030 that just came out on one and duns and i'm interested to see how that looks because Calipari, for all the uh the you know all the airtime he gets he's only got the one ring that's
1: a yeah the one ring and 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 that's that's kind of what's lost in here is yeah Kentucky's had a great run But teams that have actually been able to get to the top of the mountain with one and duns is very, very short. Kentucky's the one that's most notorious. So we've got one last segment. We'll be back, and we're going to finish strong.
0: Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong
2: the v
1: foundation and board member robin roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research
0: jim valvano's greatest legacy is the v foundation you can help join the fight give the gift of time we need passion we need teamwork and momentum the time to act is now there's not a moment to lose every dollar counts every day counts to find out how you can join us to defeat cancer please visit jimmyv.org my name is bobby i'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb my victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion i'm sam i'm a veteran my victory was finding a career that i could be proud of at dav we're on a mission
1: Helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned.
0: I'm CeCe. My victory was finishing my education.
1: When America's veterans win, we all win.
0: Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap
1: All right, welcome back. we got one more segment to go. We've been talking college basketball, in particular, NBA draft and and prospects and where they kind of fit. Now, a couple of big stories still with this NBA draft process. First of all, let's talk about the fact that the Boston Celtics, because of their 2013 trade with the Nets, stand the best chance to get the number one pick in the draft. (laughs) One of the things in that 2013 draft – our 2013 trade that, that the Celtics got was the right to swap picks in this year with the Nets. Well, the Nets now are guaranteed to have the worst record in basketball. So the Celtics, you would think, are a lead pipe cinch to get one of the top three picks, but they may well end up with the, with the number one overall. When you looked up and down that Celtics roster, Isaiah Thomas, who is playing out of his mind, mm-hmm. um, quietly – in fact, he is now has the second longest streak um, in recent memory of leading his team in scoring in each game. The only per- player he's behind is Jordan. But you're talking about a team that's got depth. They've got talent really all over the floor. And almost like, um, I don't know, found money, man. You know, you're going to take a team like that who's who's vying for the number one pick in the East – Really, probably is the only team in the East that can push the Cavaliers, and you can add a number one or two or three overall pick in the draft. That's scary, right? Yeah. If I mean, you're it, if you're in Danny Ainge's seat, who are you taking as the Celtics pick? Assuming that they're they number one overall.
2: We talked about it, and maybe it's because it's ACC country, and I've got to see him a lot, or maybe what it's what he did to my team personally. But Jason Tatum to me just screams number one pick. Um, I like. If, this is how I would look at it. I think you get a little heat for picking Fox with the number one overall. Um, well, the, the other thing with
1: Fox number one to the Celtics is Fox Fox's uh, potential guard. is probably at the point. That's right. You know, you're talking about a six three guy. That's an awful small two. Fox at the same time really hasn't shown that he can be a traditional point guard. But I think you're 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 kind of no I got you, you're limiting yourself there. <laughs> I'm you, with you to in short, I'm with you. I think jason tatum is is the no nonsense locket one if I'm in that position that's that's me
2: I think Danny Ainge is the type of i mean this he's been planning this moment for a long year a long time for years he's been making these trades and these deals, and this is the year he's looking to pay it for it to pay off and it happens to be on a year. i mean I'm sure there's going to be a couple of players that go and end up tearing the NBA up but I don't see that one player outside of maybe Tatum that just makes me feel you know, feel like he's the guy. I know they're gonna have a lot of if they get the number one pick, they're gonna have a lot of pressure to take Markel Fultz because everybody's projecting them number one. But I don't think Ainge is affected by that. I think he's the type of person that he he does his own research enough and he shuts out all that outside noise out enough that he's going to do – he probably already knows he's going to take with the top three picks.
1: I, I I would assume that that's the case, and there's still evaluation to be done, and, and they can overthink this and do all the rest of it. But I would say that Josh Jackson, to me, is the other guy that I would take a look at. Yeah, And just because of his length, you're looking at a guy that's 6'8", that can play the two, the three. Um, He's a guy that plays hard. He rebounds more than people give him credit for. Uh, he can create off the dribble. He can shoot the three. Um, and really plays – his his game is really the, that of a guy that's 6'3 or 6'4, um, but at 6'8, that's transformational size, mm-hmm. uh, to put it at the two or three spot. So I think Josh Jackson should get a look there as well. well now, Justin Jackson is a guy that, that you know intimately as a fan. Sure. Justin Jackson facing a decision right now as a junior um, – I know that Carolina fans would like to see him come back because of what he contributes. But is he a guy that's sort of in the same situation as Kennard where he's hit his ceiling and there's not a whole lot of benefit for him to come back?
2: I just think you take a look at your year. you got to be honest with yourself. As a Carolina fan who would love to see him come back for seven years, um, <laughs> he probably really needs to go. Um, he's got – He's got the size. He's probably pushing about 195 pounds right now, which his build, he could probably use a little more weight. He looks like he could get pushed around maybe a little bit. Uh, his defense, he needs to work on his lateral movement, even though he did get assigned to some of the tougher defensive um, you know, jobs during the tournament matchups. But, you know, at 6'8", that's that sweet spot for the swing man, around 6'8", if you can shoot the ball, if you can get to the rim, his ability to do that little drop shot will be effective in the NBA getting over some of these bigs that you're not – these athletic bigs that you're not used to playing game in, game out. That shot will be – will prove to be effective for him. So I would say, Justin, if you're listening, I would thank you for everything that you've done for us, but you need to go ahead and take the opportunity in the NBA now because I just don't see you – De- unless you develop a low post game maybe which that's not going to serve you in the NBA either.
1: Yeah, and just to qualify that, you know, you're you're pushing him out the door but at the same time you'd make a whole lot of tar heel fans happy if he came back for another sure, year. Sure, absolutely. So Justin Jackson, one of those guys is on the fence, hasn't made a decision. Josh Jackson is the biggest of the names that has not made a decision. And as we look through the, you know, the prospects that are out there, um the only one that we know that's coming out as a senior. You you got to get an awful long way down the list of players entering this draft that are seniors. And it's amazing to me that in 2017 the landscape is so different than it than it is when we were growing up. But Josh Hart is probably the highest rated senior on draft boards across the country and you're talking about probably the 20th best player in the country. Mm-hmm. And a guy that, you know, this his game. His his prospect status is based on production versus the upside. Talking about a guy that's six five shooting guard, and we keep going back to it. But six five swingmen grow on trees these days. They do. They do. You know, back in the day when you know, at six six, if you could if you could put the ball on the floor and penetrate, you were you know extraordinary. Right. But in this day and age, you look at Hart down there at twenty. And my favorite player in the country this year, Dylan Brooks. And I'm going to tell you, if I'm a GM and I'm looking at the end of the first round, beginning of second round, and Dylan Brooks is sitting out there, he's coming to play for me. Well, This is a guy who's, you know, a little bit bigger than that 6'5". Six, 6'7", six, uh, attacks, you know, with tenacity on defense and on offense, hits big shots, just got a well-rounded game, and I think he's got the moxie and the swagger To be a solid, solid NBA player moving forward, I don't think you know. There's nothing in his game where I say, "Well, he could be a he could be a superstar." But this is a guy that on any given night in the NBA can go get you 25, 30 points. I really believe that.
2: Well, look at the Hornets' pick; they're projected number 11, and depending on what you're looking at, right here I'm looking at Miles Bridges out of Michigan State. Dude's kind of thick. He's about two hundred and twenty-six pounds. He's thicker than he's got the body that you'd like to have going into the NBA draft. But why wouldn't you feel, instead of picking Miles Bridges, why wouldn't you feel a you know an immediate need when you can get somebody like Dylan Brooks if they're projected in the I don't know the twentieth thirty uh, in the twenty well, thirty range? Well,
1: honestly, if I'm the horn, if I'm in the Hornets front office. I would be looking for a guy like Dylan Brooks because you're talking about a team that's got some talent. They need a player or two that can create offense for them. You know, Kimball Walker's one of the most underrated point guards in, in the NBA. The Hornets have got a lot going for them, but they've got to get over the hump. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, whether it's a huge free agent signing or, you know, really hitting the lottery in the in the draft, and when I say lottery, just, you know, getting it right and having somebody come out that just blows up. Otherwise, the Hornets are going to continue to toil in sort of that 7 to 10 range. Right. And, you know.
2: The temptation will be there for them to take Justin Jackson with with the 11th pick. I mean, if he's there, the temptation – and I would just – I'd warn you about doing that because we've done that in the past. We've taken the local Every
1: team has done it. They've they've taken a guy trying to put butts in seats.
2: And – I get it, but there's a lot of value. This, if you get, there's not like the top. I guess there's three or four or five players maybe that I go, wow, those are, those are the guys. I don't consider Malik Monk one. I don't know who has them drafted that high, but there, you got a handful of people and uh, players. But then after that, there's just tons of depth, almost at the same level of talent and size through 50 picks. Um,
1: yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And as you look through, look at Sendor, Sendarius Thornwell. Right. Sendarius Thornwell may not get drafted. This kid was the best player in the NCAA tournament for a, a significant run. But, again, he's one of those six five swingmen. Yeah, And, you know, why draft one when you can go sign one off the street or go down to the D League and, you know, pull one out of there because he doesn't have transformational talent. To follow up with you about Malik Monk, you know, Malik Monk coming out of high school – these guys get so much hype. And, and 95% of the people that are talking about him have never seen him play. Right. And Malik Monk, we've heard about him and heard about him and heard about him from, from the very beginning of the college season. Malik Monk is a, a, a catch-and-shoot guy, period.
2: Yep.
1: A 6'3", 6'4", catch-and-shoot guy in the NBA has very little value, frankly. So, I don't understand why the thought process, you know, well, Malik Monk, he's a top 10 prospect. No, he's really not in my eyes. Right. And I don't get paid to do this. And my future's not, you know, tied to a, a, a an NBA draft pick. But when I look at Monk, I think, nice player, great college player. I'd love to see him at Kentucky for a few more years. But what does he do that one of the Harrison twins well, didn't that, do at Kentucky?
2: Maybe that's one we watch fall down the draft board. Maybe people are thinking like we are. I mean, you, like you said, a six three, six four streaky shooter. Now he put up forty something on my tar Hills earlier in the season.
1: And where did those points come from?
2: All perimeter. They're, exactly. Um so I, I see his value in the NBA. He's instant offense if he's on, but it seems like he's you know, he's always on the floor for Kentucky. So do you put him does he come off the bench and he's that hot, or does he have to work to get his shot throughout the flow of the game, and you don't know. I'm not willing to spend a five top five pick for that.
1: Well, the thing that you do know in this day and age is that the NBA offense um, runs through your point guard, right. and and these offense first point guards have become the most premium of all picks, and that's why you see kids like Dennis Smith. You know, everybody. It was a worst kept secret in North Carolina. Dennis Smith. Everybody knew that he was he was. You know, taking a respite right. at NC State for a year before he went on to the NBA. Dennis Smith uh, drove NC State fans crazy a little bit, I think, mm-hmm. because there was so much hype about him coming in. There were, everybody was so excited about that. And he showed flashes but really never asserted himself. You have to wonder how that translates to the NBA. The athleticism's there. Um, the basketball IQ is there. But there were very few moments this year where he really showed that he was a next-level talent. That's right.
0: You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show.
1: When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit.
0: Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com.